Hello, welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer Team at Vizient. I'm Marilyn Sherrill, Knowledge Transfer Director and your program host. Today, we are digging deeper into improving care access through a virtual healthcare design. Meet Dr. Elizabeth Kropinski. I'm an experimental psychologist interested in medical image perception and clinical decision-making and how technology impacts both of those. And currently, I'm, I'm working uh, with the Emory team uh, on their telehealth efforts. We spoke over the phone about her commitment to create, grow, and align virtual health care programs. We've had, a, for a number of years, a very active EICU here at Emory, as well as some of our uh, areas in in rural Georgia. We have a dermatologist who has been running a very successful teledermatology program in association with the VA, a teleneurology clinic that's very successful, all these little programs going on. But what it really needed was more structure. Dr. Kropinski's approach to aligning a lot of different programs was simple. Talk to people. It was just a fact-finding mission to some extent to find out which departments were doing things, how many patients they were seeing, what technologies they were using, what was their financial model. The value of virtual health spans beyond direct cost savings. Virtual health, by definition, greatly impacts access to care. For folks in rural areas, suppose you've had surgery and, you know, you need a follow-up visit. A lot of follow-up visits with clinicians are are 10 or 15 minutes long. There's really very little logic in making the patient drive 200 miles to sit in a waiting office for half an hour. Studies that have demonstrated improved outcomes with patients who are using telemedicine options or being seen through telemedicine. Medication compliance goes up quite often. Patients with very chronic conditions who end up having to go into the emergency or into urgent care Um, A lot of times those can be avoided. Those reduced admission rates is is incredibly important. Providers get a boost through the use of virtual health, too. You have a reduced no-show rate, typically. People are much more likely to be able to keep their appointments. Their primary care physician can be an intermediary. Rather than just referring them out, they can have the consultation with a a specialist there in in the PCP's office. There's also benefits in terms of being able to keep providers in rural areas. If you can provide a rural clinician with access to specialists and provide them with perhaps continuing education opportunities or expand uh, their scope of practice, it, it benefits them as well. Sometimes even Dr. Krupinski is surprised by how well programs work. We had a teledermatology program. The rural practitioners would take pictures of the patient's problems and then send them to our dermatologist who would then, you know, provide a diagnosis and a, a prescription recommendation and so on. I looked at, you know, the numbers and stuff and noticed that for some of the sites, the consultations after a couple of years were going down. So we called up the docs at the rural sites and we said, do you need a new camera? Do you need this? You know, what's going on? And they said, no, 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 no. There's no problem. But we, we've sent so many of these that we've learned to recognize what the problem is, and we know what the specialist is going to tell us in terms of medication to treat it. We can do it on our own now. And we're like, oh, we didn't even think that was going to be a consequence. And that fuels the drive for new programs at Emory.
we have a whole what we call playbook uh, where we keep track of all the clinical specialties. And, you know, literally they're, they're lining up. People want to do telehealth and they want to do it right. So we're reaching out uh, to each one. Dr. Karpinski has helped start virtual health care programs in many different areas of the country. You really have to know why and how it's going to be a benefit to your organization. What is the gap that it's going to be filling? And is telemedicine the right solution for that? One critical part of every program strategy is getting the leadership on board. The C-suite, they're really going to be interested in, can you do it in a cost-effective way? Not necessarily make a profit, but can you do it in a cost-effective way? And you say, okay, well, we've done our due diligence. We've looked at all these platforms for all these companies. We did a comparison. Our clinicians came in. Everybody likes this one. And it is going to cost us uh, initially $100,000 to buy and then $50,000 a year in, you know, maintenance and contracts and so on. Wow. Okay. That's, you know, that's a bit of an investment there. What do we get? You have to be prepared with that argument. Another key success factor, building the internal team. A lot of telemedicine is done as a team, uh, APPs, nurses, PAs. Uh, a lot of them are very much involved in the telemedicine uh, consult process. The second component there would clearly be your billing team uh, or your finance team to figure out the right financial model for that particular service. You also want to you know, consult your legal team in terms of telemedicine and what you've got to be aware of. Your IT folks, whatever platform you use, has to be able to interact with your, your PAC system, your picture archiving and communication system. If you want the telemedicine platform to open directly as a portal within your electronic health record, you've got to have an IT team to tell you if that's even feasible and, you know, and, and what companies you can work with. The complexity and expense of technology was once a barrier for virtual health care. In the last few years, the systems developed are easier to use and prices have dropped. That technology changes need monitoring. The greatest change in terms of technologies is the remote patient monitoring and sensors. The other big area is apps. There's a ton of healthcare care apps. You really want to look for, as a provider, some of these tools that have been FDA approved, uh, because otherwise, you know, they may or may not be as, as reliable as you think. Data from apps or remote devices is changing the relationship between patients and doctors. What you can get at is, you know, did they have an improved understanding of their healthcare condition through these telemedicine encounters? Did it help them adhere better to what the doctor was telling them? On the provider side, I think it's sort of the flip side of that. Do they think their patients are doing better? And are they perhaps um, seeing better outcomes because of the way they're now interacting with their patients? I think a lot of it centers around uh, improved outcomes on both sides. Dr. Krupinski has seen a lot of changes to telehealth and virtual health care over her career, but one aspect still stands out. No matter how many challenges and barriers there have been over the years, people, once they get the bug, they are on board and they, they, they just become champions and they break down those barriers. And I have not really seen that in other areas of healthcare. It's just that, that downright enthusiasm and belief 
that it is a valuable and important way to go. For the practitioner considering virtual health, she says begin by practicing. Get one of your patient advocates uh, and ask them, okay, let's take an hour and let's pretend that you're one of my active patients and then afterwards critique. Tell, Tell me, hey, you always looked at the camera. It's a very basic mistake. The camera's not the center of the screen. The patient thinks for some reason you're looking over their head. Little things that a simple few sessions, fake sessions, could readily take care of. The most rewarding aspect of building virtual healthcare programs in Dr. Kropinski's career is a message that resonates with everyone. You have to work together to accomplish something that's going to be so much more beneficial to the organization and to the healthcare system. It really is the, the people, the relationships that breaks down silos. Thanks to Dr. Elizabeth Krupinski and to you for listening to our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at knowledgetransfer at visientinc.com. From the PI Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer teams, I'm Marilyn Sherrill. Remember, knowledge is transformational. Share it.